1: God can influence people far, far away, weeks, months, years in advance, so that things happen in this moment exactly according to God's plan and purpose. I'm
0: sure if you've walked with the Lord for any length of time, you understand the comfort of that truth. In your own life. Welcome to another edition of Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely. He's the senior pastor at Church of the Highlands in San Bruno, and you can find out more about the church and their ministries on the website highlands.us. That's highlands.us. We're a nonprofit outreach of the church, and you can join with us financially and give safely when you go to our ministry website, studyversebyverse.com. You can also download past broadcasts there. That's studyversebyverse.com. I'm Mike Trout, and now here's Pastor Layton with a new segment in our Advent message series.
1: I'd like to invite you to turn in your Bibles to the second chapter of Luke, Luke chapter 2. We're in the Christmas season. It celebrates the advent or the birth of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, God who left heaven and came into this world in the form of a little baby. In the last few weeks, we've been looking at Luke chapter 1. We've talked about Zechariah. We've talked about Mary. And now we want to turn our attention. Uh, to the shepherds and the event that took place as recorded in Luke chapter 2. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria and all went to be registered each to his own town. Luke is the only one of the four gospel writers who relates the events uh, that he's talking about to world history. And And he was addressing a predominantly Greco-Roman audience, and they would have been interested in the context, the political situation, and so forth. Emperor uh, Caesar Augustus was the first uh, Roman emperor. Uh, He was one of the uh, grandest of the uh, Roman rulers. He was a very capable administrator very fastidious about keeping accounting of his empire. He ended the Civil War. He brought a time of peace and prosperity across uh, Europe, and he reigned from 27 B.C. before Christ to 14 A.D. And and Luke mentions him here not only for uh, historical background, but also to draw a contrast between uh, a human decree from from a human emperor and divine decree which comes from God. You see, this Galilean Couple is traveling ostensibly at the command and decree of the emperor of the Roman Empire, but actually the Roman the emperor of the Roman Empire is being influenced by God to cause all of this to come into effect, so that Christ would be born exactly as God had prophesied through His Old Testament prophets. You know, it's important for us to understand, really important for us to understand, that God is the master of history, that He is the master of history, that history, as it's been described, is really His story. History is His story. And God had promised through His Old Testament prophets that the Savior would be born in Bethlehem of Judea. But Joseph and Mary were, na- uh, were residents of Nazareth in Galilee, some 80 or 90 miles away, and so what could possibly... Motivate a man and a woman who was great with child to travel under those circumstances that kind of distance. And the answer is an edict from the emperor. So God uh, influenced an emperor over a thousand miles away to require a census, and the time required for that uh, census to be carried to the distant countries for the administration before him, and that decree to be carried out was all factored into God's plan such that At just the right time, Joseph and Mary were in Bethlehem for the child to be born in fulfillment of God's prophetic promise. Some of us have a concept of God that God only operates in the moment, that He's busy reacting in this moment to what's taking place in, in this moment. He's so busy just living in the moment, and yet God knows the future. God knows every detail of the future. God does not have to operate in the moment to influence the moment. God can influence people far, far away, weeks, months, years in advance, so that things happen in this moment exactly according to God's plan and purpose. God doesn't have to operate in the moment because God knows the future. He is the master of history. It is His story. Now, it's important for us to understand that in our time and age because I listen and I hear conversations among Christians and, and those around us that concern about what's taking place in the world and in the politics in America and, and the Middle East and, and uh, Korea and so forth. And it's really important that we remind ourselves that God is the master of history. That none of this that's taking place in the world right now is a surprise to God. Um, in fact, when you study the Scripture, you get excited about what's taking place in the world. Because many of the things that are taking place in the world right now uh, are described in Scripture as signs of the season of Jesus' return. And so, if, you're, if your heart is in this world, you're going to be disappointed because this world is in such upheaval. But if your heart is in heaven and you know that you're just passing through this world and you know God's word and you know that he's the master of history, you're going to get excited because Jesus Christ promised that he's coming back and he always keeps his promises. And who knows, but that that promise might be fulfilled very, very soon. Amen? Now, in the Roman Empire, uh, census were taken for two purposes. One was to assess a tax, and the other one was to identify those who were eligible for compulsory military service. Now, the Jewish people were exempt from military service in the Roman Empire, and so it was predominantly for taxation purposes. It was to remind the people who was in charge that it, they were giving their tribute to Rome. And that tribute was a sign of loyalty to the emperor. Now, the normal Roman procedure required people to register where they lived, but the Roman Empire allowed exceptions for cultures and and local practices, and and the Jewish people had their own system of enrollment of property and records and so forth, and that was kept at the uh, city that was considered the family uh, seat. And that uh, pattern, by the way, was also found elsewhere in the Roman Empire, uh, such as in Egypt. And so Joseph and Mary went to Bethlehem, and Augustus, the emperor's decree, went out at just the right time and just the right way to get uh, Joseph and Mary into Bethlehem at exactly the point at which this child was going to be born as promised. Verse 4, and Joseph Now, in the previous chapter, verse 27, Luke had declared that Mary was of the house of David, and now here in verse 4 of chapter 2, he reveals that David is also of that same house. That's why they traveled to Bethlehem. Bethlehem, by the way, is only about six miles from Jerusalem, and that's going to factor in a little bit later in our, in our story. Um, now, the trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem is about a 90-mile trip, assuming that they would uh, bypass Samaria, and that would normally take about three days, however, under the circumstances with Mary being great with child, it may have taken longer than three days and, and There are several reasons proposed for why Mary accompanied Joseph on this trip. Uh, they knew that that she would likely have the baby while this uh, census was taking place, and, and they didn 't want to be separated at the event. they both knew that this child was the Messiah, and that the Messiah was supposed to be born in Bethlehem. Uh, We know that Mary knew her scriptures and knew them well because of what she revealed in her uh, Magnificat, the the expression that she gave in the previous chapter. And so they knew that the child was to be born in Bethlehem. Verse 7, "...and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn." The word here, firstborn does not preclude that Joseph and Mary uh, had later children. Uh, There's another word for that. Uh, Monogonies, I think, is the way it's pronounced. Uh, It's the word that means only begotten. It's used to describe Jesus as the only begotten Son of God, uh, the only one. And uh, Luke did not choose to use that word here to describe uh, because he knew of the brothers and sisters or half-brothers and sisters that Jesus uh, had. Um, We know that uh, they're mentioned in Scripture, uh, that James, the half-brother of Jesus, became the leader of the church in Jerusalem uh, and wrote the book of the New Testament that bears his name, that Jude also was the half-brother of Jesus, and he wrote the uh, New Testament uh, book that uh, bears his name, that uh, according to church tradition, the brothers did not uh, accept Jesus Christ as the Messiah until after the... uh, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, Matthew one twenty five strongly implies that Joseph and Mary had a normal marriage after Jesus' birth. Now there are some other reasons why Luke would have included this reference to being firstborn. First off, it would have underscored the fact of Mary's claim to being a virgin when the the child was conceived. And then also it would communicate to this child as the firstborn that, they, that that child had an inheritance. And that inheritance would have been the throne of King David. And remember in the Old Testament, King David was promised that one of his descendants would be king on, the, on that throne on his throne uh, forever. And we know that Jesus Christ was the fulfillment of that Old Testament prophecy. Swaddling clothes were used to keep the child warm. He was laid in a manger, which is an animal's feeding trough. It could have been made out of wood, or it might have been carved out of limestone. Uh, Mary probably put some hay in there to make things a little softer. It's this reference to the manger that is the basis of the belief that Jesus was born in a stable. In fact, it was only about 300 years after Christ that the first emperor, the first Christian emperor named Constantine, at the urging of his mother, Helena, sent, sent his mom over to the Holy Land to identify sites, holy sites. And um, she, when she came to, to this place, uh, she was able to identify the descendants of people who were there when Jesus was born. And they had passed from generation to generation. That's the place. That's the exact place. And if you go to the Holy Land today, you have a high probability that when they say that's where Jesus uh, was born, it's within just feet of where Jesus was born.
0: You've been listening to another portion of our Advent series uh, here on Study Verse by Verse. I'm Mike Trout, and I've run a little bit long with the program today, and so I need to end quickly. Come back on Monday at this same time when we'll continue hearing Pastor Leighton Sheely share with us about the shepherds and the role they played in the Christmas story. Have a great weekend. Join us on Monday when we'll open the Word of God again and uh, study verse by verse.